This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And on this Wednesday program, we'll get you ready for some Wednesday night basketball. We'll also give you a little bit of an idea of what's to come tomorrow. I'm telling you what, the first basketball version of Bullseye, the new coaches show, but we also mix in an interview with the student athlete, is uh, definitely worth watching and or listening to. We hope you tune in first thing Thursday morning because Bullseye is an hour-long show that streams first on Bulls Unlimited. During football season, of course, it featured Alex Golish. We did it from the IPF. Talked to a player every week. Last show was actually a Boca Raton Bowl preview, so it's been a while, and now it's basketball time. And I got to tell you, we'll, we'll tell you a little bit about the setup and what you can look forward to listening to on Thursday. We'll also give you a couple of clips from Bull Speed Ahead that I thought were great from Michael Kelly, and that aired on Tuesday. Remember, we used to do the show around the American three times a week just for better to serve everybody purposes and productivity purposes. We stopped doing that show after six years of around the American just to free me up once, especially I became the host of Bullseye. That takes up a lot of time in a good way. But today we'll actually kind of kick back and do a little bit of an around the American program just to get you caught up where the Bulls stand in the men's and women's basketball realm when it comes to hoops compared to the other 13 teams in the conference. We also give you some football news. I love the constant updates it seems that we get on the Bulls roster. And we told you that the Bulls added a couple of defensive backs from the SEC. Looks like they've gotten back a person that they, well, maybe never lost, but Izzy Carter, remember the Quarterback from Los Angeles that got into a few games this year and Alex Golish was a big fan of. Had announced he was in the transfer portal and if you read his social media, apparently he's back with South Florida. So that didn't take long and that's not a bad thing if true. This is definitely true. Jonathan Ross, defensive lineman for the Bulls, member of the former junior college transfer. He is going to get to put on his wares for NFL scouts and GMs. He has been invited to the Tropical Bowl at Camping World Stadium in Orlando. It's on January 20th. This game started at FIU in 2016. It's been in different spots like Municipal Stadium in Daytona Beach, but it has sent, in this short amount of time, less than a decade, 350 players or so to the NFL. We hope that Jonathan Ross can be one of them, and we'll be keeping an eye on how he performs in that game. Always love the two early predictions for next year. It's like the... Sadness of the college football season being over is so overwhelming that you have to go ahead and make your top 25 for next year. USA Today put out a re-rank for this past season after, of course, the national championship. And naturally, Michigan was number one and Washington number two. Man, it felt for Michael Penix and the injuries he was suffering in that game. But also, Michigan certainly deserved to win the national title. Great defense, solid offense, and I'm definitely ready for the 12-team playoff, but the last four-team playoff wasn't so bad. But Bulls were right in the middle of the pack. And, well, when you consider where they were picked to finish, probably among the worst 10 teams in the country, the middle of the pack is good. 133 teams, and the Bulls were 67. A half dozen teams from the conference were in the 100s, which is, well, nearly half the conference, and bottom 33, which, again, shows you where the Bulls have come from to hopefully make that next step is, of course, the next step. And 
While we get into that, a couple of football-related notes from Bull Speed Ahead. Some sound here from Michael Kelly. Really enjoyed sitting down with him in his office, and we covered a bunch of things, including, oh yeah, remember, he was the CEO of the college football playoff before he came here, so he was a big part of getting this whole thing going exactly 10 years ago. It's why we were replaying some 10-year-old games from the Bulls, including the Biggest comeback in school history. We did that for you on Tuesday. But here's a good medley of Michael, first of all, on that whole playoff situation, thinking back to when it all started. How about that? Just a, you know, the college football playoff uh, is a special part of my uh, my career. Very honored to have served our, our players, coaches, and certainly the, the 10 commissioners that, that hired me at the time to, uh, to help put that together. Uh, my main part of my role was to be able to first identify the six bowls that were involved with the with the semifinals and the New Year's Six Bowls and then ultimately to kind of create the, the championship weekend, the championship activities and, and kind of move and select the, the championship site. So this year here in Houston was actually the last one that I was kind of the staff person to, to lead the uh, site selection process. So this this was this feels like the last one I was a nice. part of <laughs> um, if you will. But uh, you know, looking back it's been a great success. I know people have uh, you know, there's always going to be criticisms of the committee's ultimate decision, but at the end of the day, it's been a huge evolution of, of college football. Thinking back to before the BCS was even established, there was just years of, of chaotic uh, bowl games, which were very exciting, but it was ultimately determined by ultimately sports writers or, or observers of the game. And then we, after in about 2000, we got to the BCS model, and then after what 10, 15 years of that, people got tired of that, realized they needed <laughs> another evolution that got us to four. And now we know next year we'll be moving from 4 to 12, which will be uh, exciting. So when you look at the history of college football, this is a great next step. Also got into actually presenting ESPN, the college championship trophy, which he helped design. And it was like last minute for that first year. And now it's become the iconic logo. So you definitely want to tune in for all of that conversation. And by the way, if I saw someone say, oh, I'd still prefer the BCS, stop it, stop it. Really, if you think that, let's just go to the final two. Don't watch any of the NFL playoffs this weekend because, you know, you might have a blowout. Don't watch the division finals. Don't watch the conference championship games. You're only allowed to watch the Super Bowl. More games, the better, in my opinion, as long as it's not an out-of-hand number of games that truly reduce the meaning of the regular season where everyone that's halfway decent is getting in. I think 12 teams is exclusive enough and still less than what the NFL has now in it, which is 14 teams. By comparison, again, I don't think people stopped watching the NFL midway through the season because they knew that, you know, the Eagles were going to be in the playoffs. Actually, they barely got in the playoffs. I'm so excited for it, if you couldn't tell. And, of course, the Bulls have a chance now with the confirmed 5 plus 7 model, meaning five conference champions no matter what, meaning no matter what a traditional non-power conference, quote-unquote, champ is going to get in. We discuss that whole possibility from the Bulls' perspective on Bulls' speed ahead. There's enough going on in the spring. We'll give you a little teaser here in a second, but the spring game is, it sounds like, according to Michael, when you might be able to anticipate some new news when it comes to the on-campus stadium. So just to make you guys jealous here at the Selman Athletic Center, there's even bigger blown-up versions of the renderings that you see online. <laughs> Can people look forward to seeing anything else, or is that it for renderings for a while? Well, we think that's probably it, at least for a couple couple months. We, we're really focused on our spring game, which we'll when we get more details. We'll, we'll focus around then and like to uh, be able to be positioned around that time to be able to show more and to be able to – I want to be able to go to market to start really actively selling the uh, – 
uh, naming rights uh, around that time, and that'll take some time. But you want to you want to have more to show a potential uh, sponsor for for our namesake for the future. Yeah, it's a pretty big decision whose name is going to be on the stadium. I'll tell you the name of the location for the new episode of Bullseye was pretty awesome. The Meyer Family Hardwood Club is where we tape the show, and of course we want you to listen to it on Bulls Unlimited, but I would also urge you to seek it out just visually. Shout out to Brian Segrist, who is the Associate Athletics Director in charge of all communications and broadcasting, and has an eye. Trust me, when you see it, there's plants, there's spotlights. It Visually, it was not a bad show, and I gotta say, my hair was on point. But just to let you guys know, tomorrow, starting at 7 o'clock, it's an hour-long show. It'll repeat at 8 and 9, if you want to hear it for the first time. If you're a men's basketball fan, you definitely have to check it out. Amir Abdurrahim sits down with yours truly, along with Kaylee Cottrell and Joey Johnston. Actually, since we have the three chairs set up, someone has to sit out every segment. I don't know why they let me in on all of them, but Joey and I with Amir Abdurrahim, and he's not just tremendous in his insights on this year's team and very humble on some of the things that, honestly, I was stunned and didn't know about to hear. For example, and I know it's not like this everywhere. I've been with teams, and this is something he learned in his upbringing. The players on the team help load the team bus. Usually it's just off to a group of team managers who are very unsung to do that. He is raising his family of basketball players right, put it that way, and from a guy who had 12 brothers and sisters, he's used to working with a big family, so that all was wonderful. Of course, we talk about basketball as well. And we'll talk more about the men's basketball team on Friday's show as far as previewing the next game. That conversation alone, definitely worth checking out. Then Kaylee Cottrell and I chatted up Chris Youngblood, and he grew up in Tuscaloosa, moved to Georgia at age 13. That's where, of course, he caught the eye of Amir Abdurrahim, ended up at Kennesaw State. We got into that whole situation, making the NCAA tournament. But here's just a little taste of, you know, his upbringing. He could have been a different sport athlete. And no, not football. But baseball. But growing up, like baseball, like shortstop, center field, I spent majority of my time, like my dad too, I'd be in the garage just throwing a baseball against the wall, catching it for hours. Like, like he'll, he'll get mad, but they just accepted it to where I just mess up all the walls in the house. And I was going to say, did he get mad because it wasn't a basketball going through hoop or because you were messing up? No, nah, at first he was mad, but he was like, man, this, is, this, this kid working hard. So they just kind of accepted it. Every house he moved into, it's always this wall, and I was just messing up, just throwing a ball, just practicing shortstop. Wow. And then as I got older, like basketball, like the attention, I found out the attention detail, the, the amount of work you had to put in in basketball, I fell in love with that part of the game. So, like, the preparation is a little bit different for basketball and baseball, in my opinion. That's, Very nice. that's why I fell in love with basketball. When nice. did that happen? When did basketball click for you? Seventh grade. When I, when I got to Georgia, the basketball, not, no offense to Alabama, but basketball in Georgia is just a little bit different than basketball in Alabama. So when I got to Georgia, I kind of got a rude awakening, and that actually, like, motivated me. Like, oh, it's time to, I still think I'm serious. Like, it's this different level. So instead of just getting discouraged, that kind of, like, motivated me to work push. hard. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you like a challenge. You like to be pushed. I like that. And then just for the record, people watching that want to know it, just assuming – in Tuscaloosa, you were pushed towards football. Could you share with us your football, Ooh. when football became a non-thing Man, for you? i never forget. It was spring training. It was like in April, Hillcrest Middle School. Um, my dad, he, he really didn't want me to play football, but I was only doing it to 
for drill purposes, get my speed and stay in shape. So the, the coach was like, man, just try a wide receiver. And then I wore glasses at the time, mm-hmm. caught the ball, and I, I really wasn't even trying to get open. I was just out there just because my coach told me to get out there. So I caught the ball. This is not going to end well. Yeah, so I caught the ball, got tackled, glasses fell out of my helmet. And I think like five, ten minutes later, I just walked off the field. Coach, coach never saw me again. Called it. <laughs> that was it. Whatever the path it took to get here, we're glad that he's here with the team. And again, the Bulls are 8-5. and five. We said we'd do a little bit of a conference setup. More on that in a second. But we'll also today, actually, was supposed to be on Tuesday. But today is when we're going to talk to Eric Jenkins, the track and field coach for that program, which, again, hits the air first on Bulls Unlimited Thursday morning. And, of course, the weather was the reason why Tuesday would not have been a good idea to conduct an outdoor track and field interview. So we'll be with the head coach today. And that'll be part of the show as well. Now, on the video side, you'll also see... Kaylee Cottrell's work, a complete Boca Raton Bowl behind-the-scenes recap, which we're looking forward to checking out, and so can you. Track and field season does begin in Gainesville this weekend, and then the following week we get into tennis. Golf has begun practice. Baseball has begun practice. And no, I asked, were they hitting yesterday with that wind outdoors? By the way, the wind would have been at their back, I think I could have hit a home run in those conditions, but they ended up just staying in the batting cages. So baseball season will be here in about a month. And, oh, yeah, softball is before that, the first weekend of February, first full weekend. And until then, we'll have some interviews for you because Thursday is the first of our spring photo shoot days where I get to actually set up there at the Muma Center in a little broadcasting booth and record interviews. A lot of interesting players that I will get the chance to talk to, including... The transfer pitcher, originally from Academy of Holy Names, Bell Sarges. She, along with Peyton Dixon, setting up to form what would be a pretty awesome duo in the circle. Also, some transfers. Sam Malander from Northern Illinois hit 13 homers for the Huskies, around 300 for her career. Maddie Snyder, an outfielder, transfer in from Missouri with some speed. And Bailey Drapola, who at Pitt hit 18 home runs, had a pretty big year last year so Ken Erickson was busy getting some reinforcements on the program and of course you've got some great returners Kathy Garcia Soto had a tremendous freshman season and from injury to huge reinforcements with Josie Foreman at catcher and Alana Rivera on the infield two absolute leaders on that team can't wait to bring you some softball and at least scheduled to speak to all of the individuals and more and listen for those on the show pretty soon. On this show, we'll preview the women's basketball game against Tulsa tonight. We'll also give you the full conference outlook, kind of how things are going a few games in to the AAC slate when Bulls Beat continues. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Coming to that time of the season where I'll be in my office at the Selman Athletic Center a lot more and just so happened to be right next to the ticket sales folks. They're outstanding. And I'm always asking, hey, let me know if there's anything new. And just so happened that on Monday, a new, we we're just talking about softball and baseball ticket deal was announced. And you can take advantage by calling 1 800 Go Bulls. Basically, you can get a weekend pass, which for the softball events, when you're not just talking about the Bulls playing five and sometimes six games, there's other teams. So we're talking about. Overall, more than 10 games and a lot of great opponents to watch. 
you can get basically a weekend pass for the price of two tickets for two games, and that's pretty cheap. Same thing for baseball, a three-game series for the price of two. So call them up, ask for the weekend pass. You know, when I do a broadcast, I always spend several hours preparing for the opponent. We'll be doing the same, giving you a little bit of a thumbnail here on Tulsa. Can't believe I missed this. Then again, I thought about it afterwards, and I'm sure everybody says this, but one of the players that really keyed the comeback for Tulane, which fortunately Romy Levy was able to thwart off with some clutch free throws late, the second leading scorer for Tulane on Saturday afternoon, Hannah Pratt. I knew she was a transfer from Columbia. I knew her stats, but I didn't know the reason she transferred from Columbia to Tulane. Does that name Pratt and Tulane Athletics ring a little familiar? Yeah, her brother is Michael Pratt. So I missed out on that detail. Anyway, we'll try not to miss out on any famous connections for Tulsa, actually, glimpsed and looked the other way quickly because you're not supposed to watch the other team practice. They were actually practicing at the Yingling Center, just wrapping it up as I was walking into the building to get ready to tape Bullseye. So they got into town plenty early, got their practice in, and tonight we'll be on the air at 645 from the Yingling Center for the Bulls and Tulsa Golden Hurricane. And as difficult as the circumstances could have been for the Bulls on Saturday, they blew a 21-point lead, but they did win. Well, Tulsa, recent history, had an even worse experience because they were at home, had a big lead, and lost, and they were headed to 3-0 in the conference and 13-3 and overall against Temple, which was headed back to 500 overall. This game was 41-29, Tulsa midway through the third quarter. That's right, Temple didn't exactly have a ton of points, but man, did they turn it on. They actually had the lead early in the fourth quarter, and held Tulsa to seven points in it. Golden Hurricane team that averages around 70 a game. It scored low 70s in both of their conference wins, including at Memphis and then by 18 against Tulane, lost 58-48. to This was supposed to be their eighth win in a row, so they are going to be a little bit ornery coming in tonight. Tamira Poindexter, despite having an off night, 20.1 points per game. Delaney Crawford, a point guard, scores 17 a game, and is 40 of 97 on threes. So this is a talented offensive team that was without its third and fifth leading scores. Array Young, who had a great freshman year but was oft injured last year, same this season. Bulls still haven't seen her. Could be ready to return, and Katie Gallegos, the former UTEP standout, is probable for tonight. So it will not be easy for the Bulls. Tulsa comes in 12-4. and four. Bulls are 10-6. and six. Romy Levy was on the weekly honor roll, scored her career high in back-to-back games, and averaged 28 a game, and most any other week would have been player of the week in the AAC. But for the fact that Charlotte's Daisy Lawrence not only scored 26 in a win against the Bulls, but followed that up with 30 points in another win. But here's a few reminders of what made Romy Levy a member, an easy choice of the weekly honor roll. Hey, Romy Levy, a lefty, and you just saw Jose Fernandez go, okay, that works. Had a fast break and scored with her right hand, decided to keep that defender on her left hip, and now it's 11-7 after the steal and score. Rito kept it alive for Wilson, nice job. Now they flick it over to the left side with Levy. Oh, and the elbow, let that one drop in. Beautiful move by Levy, she's got 15 points. Now Levy with eight on the shot clock, tough, long jumper, and knocks it down. Romy Levy 
give her credit, man. She realizes she is the top option right now. But Tulane has all the mo right now. Where do the Bulls go? Right to Levy, and she knocks it down for a career high. 25 points, no hesitation. And then it was free throws the rest of the way. Seven of her last eight, actually seven in a row when they all counted. And 32 points for a new career high. As far as the other weekly honors, Lawrence, obviously the player of the week. She actually averaged the same amount as Levy, along with five assists and five and a half rebounds. East Carolina's Karina Gordon, as they beat UTSA and Memphis, scoring basically at the horn at Memphis. She scored 22 against the Roadrunners. Danae McNeil of East Carolina, that is going to be a team the Bulls play twice, and those are going to be barn burners. She averaged 18 and a half points and six and a half steals and got off the game-winning shot. Speaking of game winners, Destiny Jackson of Rice, a fifth-year player, hit a layup, a reverse layup, a difficult one at the horn to beat SMU. Oh, yeah, Rice is where the Bulls head after tonight. So the three teams I just mentioned recently are the three unbeaten in the conference, Charlotte 3-0, East Carolina, and Rice 2-0. Temple is at 3-1 after that big comeback against Tulsa. So the Golden Hurricane, the Bulls, UAB and North Texas are all two and one. Charlotte's three wins have come against North Texas and UAB, who had the two best records going into the conference, and the Bulls. So Charlotte could be uh, pretty formidable as things turn out. The net rankings have East Carolina and North Texas neck and neck, 79-80, then right around 100, Rice and Charlotte, actually Temple at 109, and the Bulls at 110, Tulsa 115, SMU 117. You get the idea. You've got eight teams, all essentially between 80 and 120, which shows you how competitive and tough it's going to be, but also shows you that right now, anyway, it's looking like the conference is only going to get one team into the NCAA tournament. So it's all going to be battles through over the next two months, positioning for conference standing, and ultimately one team is going to have to win at least three games, if not more. You, as we talked about on Monday's show, want to make sure you finish in the top four. I don't think there's really going to be much separation between the top four teams to begin with, but you don't want to have that separation from fourth to fifth because if you're fifth, you're having to play in the second day, which means four wins in four days to make it to the NCAA. Yeah, it's going to be intense. The Bulls, of course, had the schedule that could have gotten them into a spot where they would have been not needing to win the conference tournament, but they just simply did not win any games on that schedule as far as the non-conference goes. But just to update it, the latest computer rankings have Texas, despite their one loss to Baylor, and despite having lost Rory Harmon, their All-American guard due to an ACL, as the number two team behind South Carolina. Computers also have two other Bulls opponents in the top 10. That's Baylor and NC State. The voted on polls, same thing. Even though NC State actually lost for the first time, it was an incredible game to another highly ranked team, Virginia Tech. The Wolfpack took a lead with less than two seconds to go, but Vatek's got this 6'6 All-American character named Elizabeth Kitley. They lobbed it into her, and she scored at the buzzer. So incredible environment, and yeah, NC State's one loss is kind of an impressive loss, and Baylor, speaking of impressive, number six in the voted on polls. We saw the Baylor Bears in West Palm. They are going to be tough to beat. Again, we'll be on the air for women's basketball tonight at 6.45. Yours truly and Bridget Miranda. Last night, following up their win against Tulsa, Temple went to Wichita. I guess they stayed out there. It was a swing trip. And they carried on the momentum. They blew out the Shockers 72 
to 49 tonight. East Carolina will be playing UAB at 6 in the other 7 o'clock game, UTSA at Florida Atlantic. I mentioned the Bulls are going to Rice. We don't know if they'll actually play at Rice. We'll double-check to see if the locale is actually there. They had some water damage, so the Rice men's and women's basketball teams have had to move around their locations. Rice women scheduled to play Charlotte. That'll be an interesting one to watch wherever it is on Thursday night, so we'll let you know on Friday where that game got played and if the Bulls will indeed be playing at Rice. Wherever they are, we'll be on the air on Sunday afternoon for that one, and then we'll stay in Texas for UTSA next Tuesday. Speaking of Rice, that's who the men's basketball team plays on Friday night. We'll give you a full preview on Friday's show and a reminder that Bullseye will be plenty on the men's basketball team hitting this stream tomorrow morning early. I will always raise up my hand to tell you guys when I'm wrong about something. I thought that Jaden Reed was going to be the freshman of the week for his not just performance against UAB, but before that. Turns out didn't have enough of a bring-it-home second half to lock it up, and to be fair... The guy who, quote-unquote, beat him out was pretty good. P.J. Haggerty, a guard from Tulsa in games against Memphis and East Carolina, averaged 21.5 points, 4.5 assists, and 6.5 rebounds. He went for 27-8-4 against Memphis. The player of the week is from North Texas, Jason Edwards. Mean Green won their first two games in the conference. He scored 37 against the Green Wave. Yaxo Lendenborg, the guy who went for 23-15 and against the Bulls, those were his numbers against UTSA. So if Edwards doesn't score 37 against Tulane, I'm guessing Lindenborg is going to be the player of the week. He was on the honor roll. No Bulls landed on the honor roll this week. And if you look at the guys that were on there, hard to argue. I'll always argue for the Bulls when I feel there was some wrongdoing, but really none to be mentioned this week. And when you got 14 teams and you're not one that goes 2-0, there's always a chance that you're going to be a team that doesn't get anybody among the seven mentioned. But the Bulls are getting plenty of mention for their solid start of 8-5. and five. And again, plenty of men's basketball Thursday morning on Bullseye. Only two games into the conference schedule and only three teams have emerged 2-0. and Memphis, UAB, of course the Bulls are right there with them, and North Texas. As far as the computers go, FAU is still in the top 25, which is where they are by the voted on polls. But Memphis is ranked 13th by the voters. SMU is the other team in the top 50 then. Really, you got to look at it. That's going to be the maximum for the conference as far as NCAA because North Texas is the only other team in the top 50. And then it's really kind of a clump of the next four teams, including the Bulls in the top 150, then a drop-off down to around 200 where the bottom six teams computer-wise rank. That Temple team that the Bulls won against in their opener in conference play turn around and beat Wichita impressively on Sunday. 68 to 61. Memphis had to come back actually to beat SMU. Tonight, you'd expect all the home teams to win. Charlotte hosting Tulsa, Temple against East Carolina, Memphis against UTSA. Should be fun to watch FAU at Tulane Thursday night on ESPN2. And then Rice against the Bulls from the Yingling Center. That's an ESPNU game, incidentally. 7 o'clock Friday. And of course, we'll have the pregame and full coverage for you with Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston on your radio home for hoops in Tampa Bay. Bulls Unlimited. That's going to wrap it up for Bulls Beat. Talk to you guys from the Yingling Center tonight for the women's contest. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.